Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of No Lights, No Camera, Action. And I actually have sort of a theme song now? Be oh boy. Well, basically, I just, like... I have not heard this yet. Well, no, it's, it's not really a theme, it's just, like, a little intro thing. Basically, like, so, for... I, I was just explaining to... Jacob, before we start recording, um, I am experimenting with a create-your-own-soundboard app, um, because, uh, during Sin, SinCast, which is what inspired me, well, one of the things that inspired me to start doing this podcast, um, they, like, when, a, like, for each of their different segments, uh, they do during the podcast, they'll, like, have, like, a sound cue, um, of, like, a compilation of various, uh, movie quotes and, like, tunes that have to do with the segment. Um, and so, uh, I, I've got a couple of those, and I've got, like, a little intro theme, and basically I just took, like, little snippets of, like, the theme songs of the three movies I used for the logo, so, like, th this is what we've got. That, that's the intro theme that I've got. <laughs> Goes from Time Warp to the Spider-Man theme to Indiana Jones, so. <laughs> and right, well, I'm mildly uh, concerned some of those segments might be a bit too long, but... Yeah, yeah, it's like, I, I try to make them as short as possible, um, <laughs> uh, and um, I apologize for the audio quality... I, I use my phone to record them onto the soundboard uh, from YouTube clips from my laptop. So, it, it they aren't the best quality, um, but uh, they're... And hopefully, like, hopefully those are short enough to not get me copyright strikes. I think... I, I don't... I'm not worried because, A, they're pretty short, and B, um, the quality is not on par with, like, the actual recording, so, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, today, uh, for today's podcast, this is going to be a lot less structured than the previous two have been, uh, which is fine, like, I, I think this'll, this'll be a fun little experiment, um, Basically, uh, we decided that, um, well, actually, this was sort of Jacob's idea, um, that whenever we don't have a specific topic, um, a specific main topic for the, uh, podcast, we could just do, like, little exercises where we make up movies. So, uh, uh I don't know, probably come up with a name for, like, an actual, like, set for this segment at some point, um, but for now, I just have, uh, more intro, more, uh, like, more, uh, clips to introduce it.
Yeah. So, and now you know what that recording was for. Because, <laughs> like, for testing this before the recording, I I played the, the Deadpool clip for Jacob just to see how it sounded. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and for those wondering about the other clips, uh, the first one was uh, Robin Williams' Genie in Aladdin saying, let's make some magic. And then the other one in the middle was from Sunset Boulevard, which I've never seen, but I searched up quotes that... I searched up movie quotes about movies. And that was one of the first ones that came up. Um, so... Yeah, we, um, so yeah, like I said, this is going to be a little less structured, but actually, uh, the, what we're going to start this segment with, um, is actually, uh, uh, one of the first ideas I had for the podcast, um, uh, which, um, I, I also got this from Syncast, uh, because they did it, uh, on one of their episodes, um, Basically, uh, I asked some friends of mine, including Jacob, um, to name some of their favorite film directors, actors, and actresses. And so, um, this is Movie Mad Libs, is what Syncast called it. And basically, um, like, we're, we're gonna take turns, uh, and I will randomly draw... I, I, like, I have them on index cards. I will randomly draw a director, an actor, and an actress. And you have to come up with a an idea for a movie directed by that director and starring that actor and that actress. So this is going to be very All interesting. Right. The, well, the, sin, the sin cast had some very interesting results. And because you because because I know you're not uh, as well versed with like actor names, um, I also like on the index cards uh, for for my reference as well because some of these uh, people I'm not super familiar with. Um, I wrote down like four film credits for each one, um, sort of like on IMDb, like when you go to someone's page, like there's the like top four. Uh, credits they have um, that's like probably their most like recognized work so um, that's what I've done for this um, so I will uh, uh, you can go first uh, do you do you want to pick do you want to get your director actor or actress first let's go director all right so I'm gonna shuffle these I'm not looking and just tell me when to stop I don't know if people can hear the shuffling on the... Oh, it dropped them. I am shuffling them. You can tell me to stop anytime. Now. Okay. So your director... Is Ben Stiller? Oh, 
Yeah, because he's actually directed uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, he, he actually often directs his own movies, uh, from what I saw. Uh, the, the four credits I have on here for him being a director are Zoolander, Tropic Thunder, The Cable Guy, and Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Which, I have watched one of those. Which one? Just that curiosity. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. I remember watching it. I on, I don't remember. It didn't leave much of an impression on me, but... I don't know. It wasn't bad. I just... Yeah. I could tell you about it, but I could not tell you why I liked it, just that I definitely did. Yeah, yeah. It, that's, a, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> um, Alright. Uh, now, uh, actor or actress? Actor. Alright. Shuffling the cards. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Your lead actor is Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, Alright, Known for The Social Network, Zombieland, Now You See Me, and Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Alright, so what character is Jesse Eisenberg then? Alright. And then... And then your actress, I'm shuffling them, tell me when to stop. Now. Sophie Turner, uh, known for Game of Thrones, X-Men Apocalypse, Barely Lethal, and Josie. For reference's sake, she's Jean Grey in Apocalypse. And Sansa Stark in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Barely Lethal, by the way, I have listed on here. That is a lesser-known movie that I think is awesome, and people should check it out. It's got an all-star cast and kind of a ridiculous concept. It Basically, the best way I can describe that movie is that it's if... It feels like it was initially pitched as a Disney Channel original movie, and then they were like, hang on... Let's make this for adults. <laughs> it's it's very weird. I understand why it isn't very popular, um, because because you know the the content at like it doesn't know it doesn't necessarily know who it wants its audience to be. But I love it, and uh, I have shown this to a couple of my friends, and they all loved it. Um, oh, it's on Netflix, actually. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, watch it sometime. It's on, it's got not only Sophie Turner in it, but it's got Haley Steinfeld as the lead actress. She's in Pitch Perfect and Bumblebee. Um, and then it's also got Samuel L. Jackson and Jessica Alba as the villain, which is a bit unusual for her. Um, uh, it's got Dove Cameron, uh, known for the Disney Channel show Live and Maddie and the Descendants movies. Um, it's yeah, it's Stevo appears in it. 
for one scene, oh, but Steve-O is in it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, um, I forget his name, but, uh, the, the guy who, um, he showed up on Guest Grumps, he, he, like, on a Scooby-Doo game. And he also had that YouTube Red show, um, Do You Want to See a Dead Body? I forget his name, but he plays the love interest's dad, and he is the funniest part of the movie. He's so funny, because it's just so much, like, uncomfortable dad humor. Uh, Rob Hubel? Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Anyway, so you gotta make a movie directed by Ben Stiller, starring Jesse Eisenberg and Sophie Turner. I don't know where I would begin with this one. I don't know where I'm gonna begin with this either. Alright. Well, how about so there's not, like, a lull? I'll, uh, get myself, uh... Uh, a group two, so I can start brainstorming on what I will do for mine. Um, Alright, so. My director is John Carpenter, known for Halloween, The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China, and Escape from New York. That's interesting. That's... I mean, I love The Thing, but, like, his other movies are definitely not my kind of movies. <laughs> Hell, The Thing's not my kind of movie. <laughs> but I still like it. Um, my lead actor is going to be... Tom Cruise... Oh, boy! Known for Top Gun, Risky Business, Mission Impossible, and Magnolia. And my lead actress... God, okay, this is... Yeah, my... <laughs> this is gonna be... Alright. Alright, and I'll stop there. Oh, you're... Oh! <laughs> I got one of your picks! Daphne Keene! Oh. Um, who, who played uh, X-23 in Logan. So, oh, gosh. Oh, man. Oh, this is interesting. Because, oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. I I know already what kind of film I want to do. Like, it, like, I mean, obviously, John Carpenter did Halloween and The Thing, two, like, two phenomenal horror films. And so, like, I'm thinking of, like, a horror film where Daphne Keene is the villain? <laughs> like, cause, like, ch again, like, channeling that, like, utter rage and violence that she shows off in Logan. C cause she's phenomenal in that. Um, she hasn't really been in a whole lot else. Um, that's really all I have to go up of. Meanwhile, Tom Cruise. How do I, I mean... Okay, well, you're gonna have him run at some point. Well, it's a horror movie. Of course he's running. 
running away from Daphne Keen. Oh gosh. Um. Oh god. Oh man. Oh man, this is this is this is interesting. Um, okay, I had an idea going in that I realized that I confused the stocks for one another. Oh, you were th were were you thinking uh, Maisie Williams? Possibly. Yeah, Maisie Williams is Arya. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah, the one in New Mutants. Um, which is funny that they both been. Oh God. Both the Stark sisters were are in X Men films that suffered production hell. <laughs> oh man, God! And did you 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 saw the the article I sent you, right? That that was posted. Like, Probably, but tell me which one, because you sent me a lot of articles. Well, the one, like, because, like, Dark, because New Mutants was supposed to come out a couple days ago. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> it was supposed to come out a couple days ago, and... Jesus. And the internet had a ball with that. Oh, let me see if I can find that article. <laughs> Let me see if I can find that, just to read off some of the comments. Um. Oh, God. I gotta turn on my fan. It's getting way too hot in here. Uh. Oh, gosh. When did I send you this? God, I do send you a lot of articles. <laughs> Okay, there's no way it was that far back. Wait, what was this Go Nintendo article? Create lifelong trust issues and scare children to death. Oh, that's the Sonic mask. <laughs> that, yeah, as soon as I clicked it, it, but before it loaded, I was like, oh, I remember what that was. Which I love the fact that, despite the fact that, um, he's getting a redesign, that you could still buy that mask. <laughs> I mean, it's super expensive, I'm not buying it, but... Also, like, while we are on a film podcast, we... we, we like, and, like, while well, we've got this low while we're trying to figure out our movies, um, I, I just scrolled past another article that I sent you that I completely forgot about, uh, the possibility of Andy Serkis directing Venom 2, which, that is very intriguing. I don't know if he's direct- has he directed- I'm trying to think. Has Andy Serkis done directing? Hold on, I can check. I, I'll, I'll check. You you have a harder movie to come up with than I do. Um, well, I, well, as well, I'm, I'm Googling stuff to try and figure out, like, 
I'm trying to get a description of Ben Stiller's like directing style, so that I have some like. I mean, it's like Ben Stiller comedy for the most part, and then the Cable Guy. I know, but it's been a while since I've seen a Ben Stiller movie. Is the issue? Ah, yeah, that's fair. Um. Oh no, he's done. He he's. Oh, he directed that Netflix movie, Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah, that thing. I heard nothing about it other than the fact that it exists. He also directed Breathe, which was his first directorial... It was his directorial debut, and then The Ruins of Empires, which was a TV movie. And it says, uh... Wait, is he confirmed? I thought it was just a room. Oh, he posted one day ago! Oh, oh, hang on. Holy shit, it's confirmed Andy, Andy Serkis is directing Venom 2. <laughs> nice. That, I mean, uh, like, I want him to, like, if they didn't already have Woody Harrelson cast as Carnage, like, can you imagine and Andy Serkis would be a great Carnage. <laughs> he, he has, he has experience with, uh, with, mocap, mo you know, like, a lot of people have said that he deserves an, uh, he, he deserves Oscar recognition for his performance as Caesar in the Planet of the Apes movies, um, which I have not seen, um, and also he did Gollum, uh, and I, I think he was also in The Last Jedi? I think? I might be remembering that wrong, but I think he was in The Last Jedi. Last Jedi. Uh. Oh, duh! He's Snoke! <laughs> yeah! He's Snoke! So yeah, he def and that shows that he can also be a, a like a creepy villain too. That and his performance in Black Panther. Uh So yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe he'll play a part in Venom too, who knows. That that would be cool. Although probably like Let's not make it another symbiote, as, as good as he would be as one of the symbiotes. Like, I don't want all those Venom movies to be the same. Venom... Venom disagrees with one of the other symbiotes. Venom fights the symbiote in a messy CGI final battle. Venom wins! That was, like, my biggest complaint about Venom, is that that final battle is atrocious. Because Riot doesn't look different enough from Venom, especially at night, for you to distinguish who's who in the battle. Uh, this reminds me of the final battle of Thor of the Dark World, where everything is just 
covered in aether, like, cloud fog stuff, so you can't see what's going on. Yeah, I, uh... I, I haven't seen... Yeah, obviously, I, I haven't seen Thor The Dark World. Um, however, it is going to be one of the uh, four Marvel movies that's going to be on the Disney Plus streaming service at launch. Huh. Along with Captain Marvel, Iron Man, and Iron Man 3. Interesting, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I know they're adding more, like, the following month. Like, a, like um, Endgame is going to be on there the following month. I think they said Winter Soldier and some other ones, too. Um, and, like, next year, like, a, a lot of the deals will be expiring on the ones that are currently on Netflix, so they'll be moving to Disney Plus after they're off of Netflix. Um, uh, yeah. Alright. Okay. I actually gotta figure out the 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 the, the plot of my movie, because I have the general concept but I don't have an actual plot. Um Yeah, I have I have some kind of concept, it's just I have the slight issue of having seen the Ben Stiller movie in long in very long time. Yeah. So while we're on the subject of Ben Stiller-directed movies, I'm just gonna say a hot take right now. Tropic Thunder is garbage. I'm sorry. I know people love that movie, but it is garbage, and I would also like to point out, Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for his role in Tropic Thunder, which, A... That's a rare case for the Academy to recognize a movie like that. Yeah. But B, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, his whole thing is that, like, he, like, super commits to, like, any, like, because they're all playing actors, and, like, Robert Robert Downey Jr.'s character, like... Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr.'s character fully commits to, like, every film he he does and, like, fully, like, gets into the roles of every film he does. So much so that for the film they're filming in Tropic Thunder, he, like, gets surgery to make himself black! How is that okay? I, I don't understand how that is okay. And that film is still, like... Like, people still, like, talk about that film being great. I don't understand how that is okay. Well, like, the one, like... The one defense that I've heard about that is, like, the ideas that making fun of, like, actors that do that level of commitment. But at the same time... That's pushing it too far, I think! Like... Yeah, yeah. And the, the fact that the Academy nominated him for Best Supporting Actor for that? That's ins- that's one of Robert Downey Jr.'s, I believe, two Oscar nominations. <laughs> that, and I believe Chaplin was the other one, where he played Charlie Chaplin. Um, and also, I'm also, another hot take. Speaking of Endgame, I'm sorry... Marvel fans, Robert Downey Jr. is not going to get nominated for Best Actor. 
like people are saying like, oh, this is this is the best chance the MCU has at an acting Oscar. No, Killmonger was first of all. Yeah, yeah. Killmonger was. Um, that like I understand. Like Endgame sort of has a big cultural impact, but, like, it's not, like, people are acting like it is going to be as big of a contender for the Oscars as Black Panther was, and it's not! Black Panther had a cultural impact in a very different way that the Oscar is actually, that the Oscars are willing to recognize. They're not going, like... As good as he is in Endgame, they're not go. That's not the kind of thing they recognize in the Academy. Like yeah. they like superhero like superhero films. Like there there are very rare exceptions where superhero films will like come out and like get Academy recognition. Like Dark Knight, uh, Black Panther, and to a much lesser extent, Logan. Yeah. Um, and then Incredibles, but that's Pixar, so that's kind of cheating. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like, Black Panther was definitely a cultural milestone for, um, be- because of it- its inclusivity. Inclusivity. Yeah. I don't know how to... Inclusive... Inclusivity? I don't know. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, like, a majority... Like, vast majority black cast for a superhero film. Like, that's... Yeah, there's, like, two actors who weren't black that had prominent roles in the plot, and one of them dies before the halfway mark. Yeah, there are, like, two major... Like, there were two major white roles in that... Well, not even major roles, honestly. Like... Claw is a fake-out villain. As much as I just praised Andy Serkis. <laughs> like, Claw is a bit of a throwaway villain. And Martin Freeman is only there because of his involvement with Civil War. Yeah. Um. Anyway. I just realized that you know what? I, ju- I just realized the only two, like, major white actors in Black Panther are both from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> They're both in Lord of the Rings! Gollum and... Bilbo? Frodo? I forget which. Bilbo. Okay. Bilbo in the Hobbit movies. Yes. I knew it was in the Hobbit movie. I, for- I just forgot which one it was. Movies, Noah. Movies. Movies, yes. Yeah. yeah. He, he does a pretty good job with Bilbo. It's it's a shame that it had to be three movies, though. Yeah, that's a common complaint I've heard about The Hobbit. I mean, it's one book! It's one book, and it needs to be, like, two movies at most. And it's not even, like, that massive of a book compared to The Lord of... I mean, like, I read that book in elementary school. And all I remember from it is hating Gandalf. <laughs> That's all I remember from reading The Hobbit, is that I hated Gandalf. 
He just leaves them while they're on this dangerous journey that all of them are super unprepared for, especially Bilbo, to go fight the, the necromancer or whatever. <laughs> now, granted, I'm sure there's a very logical explanation for why he had to go fight the necromancer at that point, but as a kid, I was just like, no! Like, like fruit Gandalf! <laughs> Because as a kid, I couldn't swear. So. about that until I was about to say fuck Gandalf. I was like, no, I wasn't like fuck Gandalf as a kid. What did I stay instead of fuck? <laughs> and then I remembered that I off that I sometimes said fruit. Ah, uh, I remember like, instead of swearing as a kid, I used to do that. Ah, oh, God, what was the character's name? I forget. Uh, the main criminal's name in the first Home Alone movies <laughs> like he does this like aggressive mumbling thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, God, Marvin. <laughs> like, I don't remember the other one's name, but yeah, no, I I understand what you what you mean. Oh man, gosh. Do you know Scarlett Johansson was in Home Alone three? You know, I feel like I should know that, considering that I've seen Home Alone 3 perhaps more than any human should. Are... <laughs> okay, also, while we're on the subject of Home Alone, um... Okay, it's because, like, that, like, my, as a kid, my favorite part of the Home Alone movies were, like, the booby trap sequences, and Home Alone 3... Is like in terms of runtime, it has the greatest. As far as I remember, it has the greatest percentage of just that. Yeah, because the filmmakers were like, "What did people like from the first two movies? Let's just do that, but more." Yeah. <clears throat> like, like literally, is like, are any of the the Home Alone movies after two like actually like? Well, even, like, you could argue that, like, 2 was, was very derivative of the first one. Um. Yeah, but at least it had, like, a plot going on. Yeah. That wasn't nonsense. Yeah. We <laughs> We slept in again! <laughs> we left... We got separated from him again! The same criminals from the first one are somehow in contact with him again! Tim Curry plays a role in the Home Alone franchise for the only time! <laughs> also, Donald Trump's in that movie. Yeah. Because they filmed at one of his buildings. And apparently he has a deal where, like, if any, like, 
for any movies that were filmed in his, like, properties, he would, he, he like, was contractually, contractually obligated to have a cameo. So he's also in, like, Sex in the City, um, which I never want to hear Donald Trump and Sex in the City in the same sentence ever again. Um. You know, I don't like a lot of the deals he proposes. I like that deal. That's not, like, a generally, like, fun deal just to have for a property. Well, like... Because if only it was someone else... Yeah, I, I was like, not, not not if you're the one watching the movies. <laughs> yeah. Like, I specifically remember, like, I remember watching Home Alone 2 at, like, a hotel when my family was in Chicago for spring break. It, it was while they were off seeing Hamilton, um, because I didn't want to go to Hamilton. Um, and, uh... I remember, like, just scrolling through channels and coming across Home Alone 2, and I was like, oh, I haven't seen this in a while. And then Donald Trump shows up, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and I had to, like, look it up to make sure it was him, and it was like, oh, shit, there he is. And then I also remember in the CinemaSins video for Home Alone 2, when Trump shows up, I believe they added... Like, a hundred thousand sins or something like that? <laughs> like, they added a lot of sins for just for Donald Trump's cameo. <laughs> like, I think it was the biggest... I think that might have been, like, the biggest sin amount... Added at once that wasn't in a bonus round. <laughs> that or I there was something in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers one that had a lot. But I don't know if it was as much as the Donald Trump one. Um Now anyway, I keep getting distracted from making this movie about Daphne Keane wanting to kill Tom Cruise. Um. Yeah. I got something of an idea for my movie, so I don't know how much it would work with like Ben Stiller. It's just to be. You have kind of a weird combination. I mean, my combination yeah. is weird too, but it's like funny weird. I just wish I had a. Uh, I just think I better remember, like, what the Ben Stiller style even is. I mean, I know his style of acting is, like, hunching his shoulders up, throwing his arms in the air, and always being angry. Y you've seen that video, right? How to Act Like Your Favorite Actors by Nigahiga? I've definitely seen that, but it's been a while. Okay, yeah. That's still my fa- still, like, one of my favorite YouTube videos ever. Certainly my favorite of Nigahigas. I don't know, okay? Why don't you ask the monkey? Look at me. Oh, hey, I'm a little monkey. Look at me, go. Oh, uh, fuck, right. How did I forget about those movies? Yeah, and I have the museum. Well, that's not How directed by him, but yeah. that. that I know, but still. 
Yeah. Which, okay, another, um, like, news thing relating to Disney Plus that I just found out today, and is, this actually ties back to Home Alone, too. Um, apparently, so, you know, with the Disney-Fox merger, obviously Disney acquired a lot of new properties. Um, including Home Alone, Night at the Museum, and Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Um, all of which, according to the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, are going to be reimagined for Disney+. Plus. Whatever the fuck that means. You know... So, basically, we're getting a sixth Home Alone movie. Probably. That That's one thing there. Um, I, I can definitely see, like, a Night of the Museum-esque, like, show. Like, a kid's show. Yeah, but also, like... Because I definitely remember... Oh, God. Oh, God. I definitely remember something... I already along those lines, like an edutainment kids show. I, I think it's entertainment. I can't remember what, I mean, what channel it was on. Uh, a show, like an animated show, where it was uh, the Mummy of King Tut, just brought back to life, like in a museum, and then just the shenanigans that ensue. Oh my gosh, I, like, vaguely know what you're talking about, but I, I do not remember... Tuttenstein. Oh, yeah! I remember that by name alone. <laughs> I remember random things, including one episode where apparently... I don't know where he would have gone for this outside of my head, but he goes somewhere and then just gets into a big, like, kerfuffle with, like, a bunch of, like, Elvis impersonators because they're all doing, like, the I'm, I'm the king, like, thing. That's part of the presentations, and he's just getting really upset because he's the actual royalty there. Oh, yeah, I remember the design now. He kind of... He looks like he belongs in Invader Zim. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, so hyped for Invader Zim Enter the Florpus comes out this month. On Netflix. Uh, Along with the Rocco's Modern Life movie, which I don't care as much about <laughs> well because i never watched rocco uh i don't know i might check it out um but yeah i and i'm actually like i've been binge watching invaders Zim on hulu uh to get prepared uh god is it holds up it really does nice um Gur still the best <laughs> um yeah Anyway, okay. Real, okay, real talk. I need to. I like the vast majority of this so far. It's been us talking about random shit. It's not actually working. You know, actually, I, I like this format, though. Like, when we don't have, uh, <laughs> like, themes, like, actual, like, main topics for the podcast. I like this. This, this is, this is nice. Um, because, I mean, most of the conversation has been related to film, so... It's still fine for the podcast. Um. Um. Okay. Okay, I have a setup, but I need like some actual kind of hook on the thing, and then from there a plot.
All right. I just, like, in one minute, came up with, like, a really stupid idea for mine that I'm totally going with. Um, I came up with a villain for mine, so that's probably good. Yeah. Also, like, it, like, keep in mind when you're, like, coming up with this movies, you can come up with other actors to fulfill, like, supporting roles, too. Just keep that in mind. Alright. Everyone is Tom Cruise. <laughs> In yours? <laughs> In yours? <laughs> no, but I kind of want to see something that ridiculous. Oh my gosh. I mean... Like a Tom Cruise movie where everyone has like a really weirdly specific form of face blindness, so everyone looks like Tom Cruise. Yeah. I mean... You'll probably like the idea I have. <laughs> it, it's not that, but it, it, it is definitely uh, a little self-aware of Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise. My dog is whining loudly, and I'm not sure why. This is going to be so stupid, guys. I've got a really stupid idea for mine. Oh, God. Make sure there's not a film with this title yet. Actually, I found the song. Movie. Bruising for a bruising movie. Oh, good. The first thing. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Found a uh, Teen Beach movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Teen Beach movie. That's one I should check out at some point, just to see how terrible it is. Because it looks so dumb. Even for a Disney Channel original movie. I mean, like, Disney Channel original movies tend to have, like, dumb concepts, for the most part. They're just trying to appeal to kids. But, like, Teen Beach movie looks exceptionally dumb. And it got a sequel! Did it get a third one, too? I'm trying to think. No, I think it only got two. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. Okay. Well... <clears throat> I have my base, basic idea for a film. You know what? Has John, hang on. I'm going to look up. Has John Car Carpenter acted in anything? Because I want to I wanna check something. Because for my film, I, need, I, I would maybe need someone to play the director. And I'm wondering... <clears throat> if he could actually play the director himself. Oh, he was in The Puppet Man. Short film. Oh. Oh, he has acted. Oh, he's actually made cameos in his own movies. Okay, that's good. Uncredited, in fact. Well, this would be his biggest one, but... Alright, then. So it turns out she was whining because the door to the basement is open and I wasn't visibly inside. Oh, okay. Alright. Okay. Do you have, uh... Like, how, how much do you have right now? I have the premise. Okay. But I can't, like, like nail anything more specific down, because none of the things I can think of, like, feel right for a Ben Stiller movie. Like, directed or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And also, Jesse Eisenberg just kind of feels weirdly out of place. I mean, he's done some comedy stuff. Zombieland? No, not because he isn't, like... Not because he doesn't do comedy stuff, but because, like, his, like... Like, the version of Jesse Eisenberg comedy that I'm thinking of in my head just is not... Measure of my mental idea of a Ben Stiller movie. Yeah, that's fair. Just out of curiosity, for future reference, have you seen Zombieland? I have not. Okay. Unfortunately, have it you? was taken off Netflix. Oh. But, um... Ah, there's... By the time we get to Z, it could be back on there. Who knows? <laughs> there, there are movies that tend to, like, go back and forth between streaming services. And I noticed that Zombieland is, in fact, one of them, because it was also on Amazon Prime at one point. Huh. Um. Yeah. 
Also, like, I've noticed that, like... Yeah, like, even Rocky, like, Rocky just getting added to Netflix, um, it was on Amazon Prime last month. Like, <laughs> these movies are just kind of jumping back and forth between streaming services. And also, like, it's weird because, like, Netflix movies don't generally overlap with the other streaming services, but I've noticed a lot of overlap with Hulu and Amazon Prime. Like, they both have Iron Man 2 right now. They both have Spider-Man 3. Um, like, those two movies... Why those two movies specifically, I'm not sure. Um, uh, like... Like, the worst Iron Man film and the worst Spider-Man movie. Like... Both on both Hulu and Amazon Prime. Uh. And then, like. Ow. I mean, like, mine is also kind of like, what the fuck is this movie, but more so on the lines of, like, I have a an idea that is dumb, <laughs> but I'm going with, with it. It's more so along the lines of, I don't know what the movie even is. So, when do we want to just, like, call a time to just show what we have? I mean, we've been going for, I think, just under an hour? Um, and we usually leave, like, 30 minutes, uh, for, um, at, at the end for, uh, like, the alphabet challenge thing. Uh, so, I don't know, um, uh, probably at around, well, it depends, like, did you have, like, something else you wanted to do for... For, for the podcast, not particularly, I just wanted to, like, know if we had to get an endpoint or if we're just going to go until we get something figured out. Because I don't know if I'll reach that point. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, I don't know, uh, depending on how long your pitch is, I guess, um... Which, it, it, this isn't, like, Dark Phoenix level where I'm pitching the whole film. <laughs> so, like, just, just sort of the basic outline. Um, 
So, like, I'd say probably, like, 10, 15 would be a good place to call it. Or t 10 or 10, between 10 and 10, 15. Uh, all right. I'm, I just need to check, uh, one thing, uh, Oh my gosh, you know, I, I was looking up uh, some stuff on Daphne Keen, and uh, one, one of her newer credits, uh, other than Logan, is um, His Dark Materials, which is a TV show that is on HBO and, uh, or at least is going to be on HBO and BBC from the looks of it. Um, and... You know who else is in the show, weirdly enough? Tom Cruise. No, James McAvoy. Oh. And Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh. <laughs> so that's interesting. Uh, also a guy named Will Keen who may or may not be related to her? Um, yeah, her father's in it, too. Huh. What else has he done, is question. Well, oddly enough, um, Victor Frankenstein with James McAvoy. <laughs> um, also, The Refugees, which she was also in. Um, and I believe this was before Logan? Because this is 2015, or... Yeah, because Logan was 20... Logan was 2017? 2016? The Refugees is, uh... Yeah, that was a, a TV show. Um... Originating from Spain in the United Kingdom. Uh, only got eight... Eight episodes. That, that was also on BBC. Oh, the other upcoming credit she has is the is a, a movie called Anna, or Anna. I'm not sure. 
now it's the part of making the stuff up where I come into an issue of not knowing actors. Wait. Also, um, apparently in The Refugees, she played a character named Anna. Spelt the same way as the Anna she's playing in Anna. Um, and then in Dark Materials, she plays Lyra, which is awful close to Laura. <laughs> Alright! <laughs> I didn't think someone could get typecast with names of their characters, but... Although, to be fair, um, in almost every, uh, thing Jerry Seinfeld has acted in, he has played Jerry Seinfeld... yourself. Also, you know what's really funny? Uh, apparently si uh, Jerry Seinfeld's first IMDb credit is called Benson. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, I learned m much of this um, from the uh, the blank for the blank the yeah, the Blank for the Blank series I told you about. Uh, and that was when they played B-Movie for the Wii, which was actually B-Movie for the PS2. Um, yeah. Again, that, that, that is definitely worth the watch. They, they just have this improvised lore that is just ridiculous. It gets more and more ridiculous with each playthrough. Also, <laughs> speaking of movies, um, I don't know if this is actually in the movie Shark Tale. It probably is. But in the video game, at least, in one of the levels... Um, you pass by a, a sign that says Fish King, like it's the Burger King logo. Um, but let's talk about the implications of that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even have to say it, because, like, on the video, like, um, the, the guy who was on CoCom with, with the girl playing, um, he was like, okay, let's think about the implications of this. What do they serve at Burger King? And she's just like, No! No! It's like... DreamWorks didn't really think that one through. To be fair, they didn't think a lot of Shark Tale through. I saw that... in theaters upon a re-release. I'm just remembering that, because, like, you know how, like, movie theaters will do, like, the summer movies for the kids, like, and they'll show, like, old kids' movies? I was too old to be a part of that, but, like, I think it was, it was middle school, because, you remember Caleb May? Did you know? I, you would have met, like, briefly. Sure. Yeah, you would have met briefly at a tournament, uh, I think, but, um... Yeah, he sounds familiar. Yeah, he went he went to Highview. I'm not sure. I really haven't spoken to him since Highview. Um but uh he lived like right across the street from 
us when we lived in, like, the big house in New Brighton. Um, and, uh, he and I went to see Shark Tale. I was, like, too old to, I, I, I was, like, I was in that, like, sweet spot, you know, like, where I was too old to actually be part of that kid's movies thing, but also too young to recognize that Shark Tale was a terrible film. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, DreamWorks. You know, like, not all of your movies are winners. But you got, like, you're not the laughing stock ever. I mean, most of the time you are, but. <laughs> um. You know what? Another hot take? I very much enjoyed Boss Baby. I thought, I thought Boss Baby was a great film. It wasn't, like, phenomenal. It, it certainly isn't DreamWorks' best work. Um, you know, obviously that probably goes to the How to Train Your Dragon movies, which I've only seen the first one, and I've only seen it once, and I do not remember much from it, because I was very young, and it was, like, at a church movie night. Because my church would do, like, church movie nights for the kids. Um... Oh, gosh, I remember... See, you, you know how, like, DreamWorks... Or, no, not DreamWorks. Pixar will do, like, um... Yeah, sorry, Pixar. I almost called you a bad animation company. <laughs> um... We'll, well, we'll get back to you, though. Um, because, uh... Well, people could probably see by the thumbnail. Um... But, yeah, um... So, uh, you know, pick, like, for, mostly for their early movies, they would have, like, blooper reels, quote-unquote, in the credits. Um, which is really fun. It's just really fun. And I wonder, like, yeah. if... Because, like, obviously, the Bugs Life blooper in Toy Story 2 was scripted. Obvious. Like... <laughs> But I wonder it like how, like I wonder if I wonder if that information is out there like if you could find out like how much of those bloopers were scripted and how much were actual bloopers or just improvised by the actors. That'd be that'd be interesting to find out cuz I never really thought of that cuz it always seemed like ob well obviously they're not actually blooper obviously they're not like actually bloopers because it's like these characters aren't the actors like they they're treating the characters like they are the actors, which is which is fun. Uh, really? <laughs> All right. Um. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> oh, oh, that reminds me of a of a soundboard thing I almost put in. Um. But you would not have gotten the joke is the issue, and you may <laughs> you may have taken offense to it, uh, because... Oh god, what was it? Well, okay, so, you, you know how the, the no lights part of the uh, logo is the Rocky Horror Picture Show font, uh -huh. uh, with, like, the blood-soaked uh, letters, um, and 
you know, I've, I've been in the, the stage version uh, at my college. It's the most fun show I've ever been a part of. Uh, love it. Um, and, um, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show is a bit of a cult classic. Um, like, it's, it's very popular, like, a like, midnight viewings of the film are very popular, and, ha like, people will do, like, state, like, shadow casting, too, and a lot of the, like, a lot of the popularity, like, with Rocky Horror Picture Show is, like, there are call-outs that have evolved over the years that, like, people will actually, like, shout back at the movie, um, for, like, certain parts of it, um... And uh, one of, one of the most like probably probably the most well known, um, the the most well known shout out or call out for uh, Rocky Horror is that uh, so the two main characters are Brad Majors and Janet Weiss, um, and in the movie and they're referred to by full name a lot in the film. It, and it's always the same way. It's like Brad, like Brad goes, like I'm Brad Majors, and this is my fiance Janet Weiss. Like it's always said exactly like that, and it happens like four or five times in the film. Um, and like basically, whenever they made a new character, it does that. Um, and so what has become a common callout is, like, like, he'll say, oh, my name is Brad Majors, and the audience will go, asshole! And then, and then he'll go, and this is my fiancé, Janet Weiss, and the audience will go, slut! And so what I was considering doing was, like, when we begin the podcast, is, like, I'll be like, that's Jacob Nelson, asshole! And I'm Noah Nelson, <laughs> slut! Okay, let's not do that, but that's still kind of funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, eh, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, speaking of, uh, like, cult classics, um, you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, right? Yep. Okay. Because, um, apparently, they're, like, at the Ordway, I don't know if it's already passed or not, but, like, my mom was telling me about it, and, uh, I wasn't able to go because it was way too expensive, but they actually did, or are doing, I forget if it's passed or not, but, um, there, there was a thing saying that they were going to do a screening of the film, and the cast was doing a Q&A at the screening. Like, the, like, the, all the original cast...
Um, hang on. Hang on. Okay. So, um, my, my girlfriend just texted me, and, um, so, god damn it. Okay. Um, so, there's actually two things I need to say, because when we recorded the last episode of the podcast, like, she knew when we were recording and sent me a text that I just kind of read and dismissed, but I didn't read it out loud, and I learned after that that she wanted me to read it out loud. <laughs> because what she sent me was just the statement, cutting off Mike Wazowski's legs would be the same as decapitating him. <laughs> And just now, she sent me a text. So you know how in Harry Potter, painting, paintings come to life and stuff? And I'm like, yeah. And then she sends waifu pillows. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I'm still there. Okay, sorry. Yeah, all I'm off of my phone for some reason that destroys Discord calls. Oh. <laughs> all right. Good to know. Uh. Uh. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Monsters Inc., I got I interrupted uh, the story I was telling. It, back back to um the church uh like the church uh the 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 church movie nights that they would hold for the kids. Um so that, like, the adults could go out and do stuff. Um. Uh. So, uh. I, um. So, for one of them, we watch Monsters, Inc. And Monsters, Inc. has the best, uh, credits blooper reel of any Pixar film. Agreed. Because it culminates into an actual performance of the musical Put That Thing Back Where It Came From or So Help Me. <laughs> um. And so, I was very excited to see that again. Uh, I was like, and, and a lot of people there didn't know about it. Um, I, I've, of course, been always been pretty knowledgeable about films. And, you know, I watch Monsters, Inc. on VHS all the time. Now, this was on DVD, and I had never watched Monsters, Inc. on DVD, so I didn't realize that 
it wouldn't automatically play the bloopers. I I was like I w- I was telling like the people in charge like we okay we gotta we gotta watch the the credits because they've got a blooper reel and something else special. Um, and so we sat through the credits and it never came. And then it was like, oh, wait, this is a DVD. It's probably in the bonus features. And so I literally, like, basically took control of the movie night just to show people, just so I could show all the kids in our church, put back, put that thing back where it came from or so help me. (laughs) Okay. Oh, God. My girlfriend sent me another thing. Oh, no. Uh, she says, Cute nicknames like Danger Noodle and Trash Panda would probably be considered slurs in Zootopia. Huh. You know? Actually, yeah, probably. Yeah. Here's an... You know what? I'm... Here's another hot take... Um, and I mentioned this briefly, um, during our Terrible Tuesday on the Hitmon channel when we did the Disney villains. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of Zootopia. I don't think it is a terrible film, um, but I don't think it was as amazing as everyone made it out to be. Um, I, like, I like the message behind it, but I don't think it was executed as well as people make it out to be. Um, it certainly was not my favorite Disney movie that came out that year, because Moana came out the same year. <laughs> um, and it didn't get as much deten- attention as it deserved, because Zootopia got all the glory at the Oscars for winning Best Animated Feature. And then the one place where Moana sh- could have shined, um, which was Best Original Song, because Utopia wasn't a musical. I mean, it had an original song, but it wasn't a musical. Um, and I don't think... I don't think Try Everything was nominated. Um, but yeah, because, like... How Far I'll Go definitely should have been a shoe-in for... Uh, best original song, and it was nominated, and it would have won any other year, making Lin Manuel Miranda the youngest person to have an EGOT. Huh. But that was also the year La La Land came out. So obviously, City of Stars won that award. Um. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, uh, you yeah, have the yeah. whole, like, fiasco of La La Land not winning Best Picture, but them thinking they won. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah. Also, hot right. take, I'm not a big fan of La La Land, either. <laughs> like... I love the music. The music was very good. Definitely. Like, City of Stars, like, earned the Oscar. Um, although I didn't think Ryan Gosling was a 
excellent singer. I mean, he was okay, but I didn't think he was amazing. Certainly not as good as Emma Stone. Emma Stone definitely deserved the Oscar for Best Actress that she won. Um, but overall, I just wasn't a fan of the story. That's a shame, because I, I enjoyed the setting. Like, but, like, I, I just wasn't into the story. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, that movie's gonna be a class... Like, that, that movie's gonna go down in history. And it's like... Eh. I mean, like... I don't know. Anyway, so it's about that time. Okay. Uh, do you want me to go first? Uh, sure. Okay. So, my film, to remind everyone, because it's been a while, uh, in the video, um, my director is John Carpenter, my lead actor is Tom Cruise, and my lead actress is Daphne Keene. So, my movie is called Cruisin' for a Bruisin'. Uh, in this film... Tom Cruise basically plays sort of a caricature of himself. Um, like, he, he is, like, this big action star. Um, and they're, like, filming this big action movie that's basically just Mission Impossible. Um, and John Carpenter actually... Operation Impossible. <laughs> oh, I wish I thought of that! That's great! Um, but yeah, so John Carpenter actually... I'm having John Carpenter play the director of said film, um, because John Carpenter has actually made brief, uncredited cameos in quite a few of his films, including The Thing, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York, maybe Halloween, I don't remember. Um, but yeah... Um, so he can actually play the director of the action film, and Daphne Keene actually plays the stunt double of one of the child actors in the film, and, um, th th this is sort sort of a, like, I I'm sort of making this as sort of like a commentary on, like, the dangers of some of these action films, um, and also, like, um, you know, there was that unfortunate incident with, uh, Deadpool 2, um, that is, uh, similar to, uh, a, the major plot point I'm putting in this film, Daphne Keene dies while filming, like, in a stunt gone wrong. Uh, and, you know, like, the the industry, like, you know, they, they put a statement that they're very, like, sorry for her loss, um, but, like, overall, they just kind of brush it aside, uh, because, like, they, they have this movie they're releasing, and they release it, and it's a big hit, and to celebrate it being a big hit, the cast and crew all go on a cruise, uh, and 
while on the cruise, uh, like, they start noticing that people, like, that some of the cast and crew members are disappearing. And then they find out that Daphne Keene's character has come back to life and is killing all of the cast and crew on the boat. <laughs> um, and, uh, that, that's, that, that's what I've got, basically. I don't know, like, how I would end it. I, I just know, like, I, I like this idea of Daphne Keene killing insensitive cast and, like, insensitive Hollywood movie makers on a, on a cruise ship? <laughs> Just for the pun in the title? Um. And so, yeah. Um, and I don't have an idea for, like, how she's brought back to life. Um, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I, like, horror movies always have some bullshit explanation for it, so, like, I don't know. I don't watch many horror films. This is... I'm just... I'm reminded of two things. The first is... For some reason, I'm reminded of this. The first is one of the Looney Tunes movies, where at the very end, it's revealed that the whole plot of the movie was just an elaborate scheme to trick Daffy Duck into being in a movie Bugs Bunny. Oh, back in action! Yeah, back in action. I forgot that ended like that. But as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, back in action! God. I wonder if that movie's any good now. I have no idea. Unfortunately... Unfortunately... Kind of... Sorry, yes. Well, I was gonna say, I doubt it has aged very well, because Space Jam, which was always more beloved... Um, then Looney Tunes back in action? Like, people love Space Jam. In fact, it's getting a sequel. Um, Space Jam has aged like shit. <laughs> like, I watched it about two years ago with, with, my col- with my friends in college, and one person in particular had never seen it. And so we watched it, because, you know, it's a classic from our childhoods. Like, we gotta watch it. It's gotta be as good as we remember. No. Yeah, no, it is... Abs- I mean, like, some people were definitely in denial saying, Oh, it's still good. <laughs> and, like, they were joking about it being, like, Oscar-worthy. And so I looked... Up, and I think I've told you this part, but I'll say it again on the podcast. Um... So I looked up if it had won any Oscars or any awards at all. And it turns out it did not win an Oscar, but it did win a Grammy for Best Original Song in a Motion Picture. Uh, now, I thought you were going to say it earned a Razzie. Oh. No. <laughs> um, but no, it, it, it won Best Original Song in a Motion Picture. Now... I don't know if I've told you this story. It's it's sounding like you have, you either haven't heard this or don't remember. I've heard parts of it. Okay, because like when I say original song 
and Space Jam in the same sentence, what does your mind think? Space Jam. Yeah, the rap in the opening credits. But no, I Believe I Can Fly by R. Kelly was written for Space Jam! That song was written for Space Jam! Yeah, right? What? Like, that blew my fucking mind! I was like, no way! Oh god. <laughs> and that's like a legitimately good song! Yeah. Shim of the artist. Good song, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. R. Kelly, like, no, Fruit R. Kelly, but. <laughs> um. Yeah. I forget exactly what he did, but let's not get into it. Because I know it was bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, and then the second thing it reminded me of was, apparently reminded me of it, it's just like, you said like, on a cruise ship, and I started thinking, okay, what other horror movies have been on a cruise ship? Because like, in my mind, it's just like a criminally underutilized, just like, setting for a horror movie. Like, that's what I was thinking whatever. too. Like, yeah, because it's like, this contained space that would have just, like, a lot of different people, so there'd be a lot of, like, interesting potential things you could do with, like, the plot or just, like, the characters. If you're going for a slasher movie, like, over-the-top death, like, a lot of cruise ships have, like, a lot of different things on them, so there'd be a lot of potential for that, just in all the different, like, rooms and, and things to do for entertainment. And also just, like, the very good reasoning of why don't people just go call for help? Uh, because help is, like, way far away because you're in the middle of the ocean. Oh, God, I know exactly how I want the movie to end. Now that you just mentioned that. Someone does call for help. It, Tom Cruise calls for help. Um, and, like... God, this is so stupid. So, Daphne Keene has Tom Cruise dangling from the edge of the cruise ship. Hmm? Like, at the, like, the, at the point. Um, help? He, he sees another ship, like, coming towards them. Um, and he's like, yes, we're saved. He sees them, they do not see him. And he gets skewered between the two ships. <laughs> yeah, anyways, I was trying to think of another horror movie where they get set in that like, on a cruise ship, and the closest thing I could come up with is that one Scooby-Doo movie. Oh! Oh, the one where they hip, where Shaggy and Scooby are immune to hypnosis for no reason. Yeah. Oh yeah, that one. With the zombie pirates and the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, Pirates Ahoy. And that's what it's called. Okay. Yeah, I re I just I I haven't seen it, but I know it very well from Jello Apocalypse's video explaining all yeah. the Scooby Doo villain and plots. Then there's a bit in that movie where like. 
the pirates have kidnapped everyone on the cruise ship except like the gang and like one other dude, like including Fred's parents. <laughs> and so they're trucking. So they're following the pirate ship in the cruise ship, and Fred's at the wheel. And like, okay, we see the pirate ship. What's our plan for taking out the pirate ship? And Fred goes, "We're gonna ram it." I'm gonna ram it. And then they proceed to get shot at with cannons. Jesus Christ! Oh man! And you, oh, I I that actually also reminds me of something because I was uh. So I I had some downtime to kill in between work and my mom being able to pick me up from work. So I went to Target. Um, Detective Pikachu just came out on DVD, and so I bought it. Um, I, uh, I need to see that with my girlfriend, uh, because we agreed we were going to see it together, and we never got a chance to see it in theaters, so, there we go, and, uh, and, um, I, w I was looking at the other DVDs, and they have, like, a four... They have, like... Actually, they have multiple four-packs of Scooby-Doo movies. Like, for, like, 13 bucks. For four Scooby-Doo movies. Which is pretty good. And one of them <laughs> contains Legend of the Phantasaur. The <laughs> one that originated the Ultra Instinct Shaggy meme. <laughs> because that's the one where Shaggy gets hypnotized, contradicting Pirates Ahoy, um, into being brave Shaggy, and he beats up a fucking biker gang single-handedly. God. That's so awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so your film. Okay. So, uh... Okay, here goes nothing. So the title of the film that I came up with after you said yours, realizing that I forgot to come up with the title of this movie, uh, is Royal Succession. Royal Succession, alright. It is a movie where, like, it starts and Sophie Turner plays just like, 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 someone obscured and a woman named... A similar to a normal woman who, like, gets visited by, like, a, a royal convoy and revealed to be, like, the next in line to take over the throne of, like, a nearby kingdom. So okay. she goes there and, like, like the bulk of the movie is, like, her just trying to, like, learn like, how to, like, rule the kingdom, like, stuff about the kingdom and, like, other things about, like, the various people, like, like they're going to be in her immediate, like, circle. Alright. Including... Like a knight, like a, the treasurer, like a scholar and whatnot, and then Jesse Eisenberg as the count, as the court wizard. Okay. Because, because I was trying to think of a role that would work for Jesse Eisenberg, and for some reason, my mind immediately went to wizard. I mean, I he wasn't. Now you see me. Yeah. Which is about magicians, so. So then, like. Like, it's her, like, learning, like, all the important things from that, and, like, as she's learning that, like, a bunch of, like, random, like, comedy antics ensue, 
and then like as also during that it's revealed that a the main comic of the story that a distant cousin of hers who is next in line for the throne after her is is conspiring with one of the other royal advisors to assassinate her so he can take the throne And then, like, during, like, all the antics, like, at some point someone, like, discovers the assassination plot, and, like, a rip gets formed between, like, them, like, her, and, like, other advisors around them, because, like, they don't know, like, whether or not the information is trustworthy, whether or not the person is trustworthy, and so on and so forth. And then all culminates of, like, this big, like, climactic pile of chaos, like, at, like, a royal ball, like, right before, like... Inauguration isn't the right word, but we're going with that. This is the one that I can think of. Coronation. Thank you, coronation. I remember for coronation, where it's just like everything is like gets like revealed like publicly, and like a lot of antics ensue, like including like some like comedically bad like fights, and then just like all ends of like her like rising to the throne, like the cousin, like the advice that they're betraying, and, like getting arrested, and then just like peace among the land. And shit, um. Yeah. I, I like it. Uh, I, I would like to point... It's funny that you haven't seen Barely Lethal, because if your film got made, it would be the second uh, Sophie Turner film that I know of um, to have uh, the ending fight set at a dance. <laughs> of sorts. Because, yeah... Um, because in Barely Lethal, uh, I won't spoil who the fight is between, because it's actually a really cool twist, but, um, there is a fight at the prom. <laughs> uh... Yeah, uh, also, I, I, do, I do have one question for you. Um, yes, because you know, as, as you, you've seen, uh, Ben Stiller often appears in the movies he directs. Does Ben Stiller mm-hmm. appear in this film? I'm going to say yes. Okay, and I'm blanking on the role he is in. Okay. Uh and and also curious. I mean, I didn't I didn't think of any other uh, like actors to to be. I, I it's like one of like the advisors essentially. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. But but I was also because like I I I know I didn't think of any other like actors I would put in mind except for technically John Carpenter just being a director in it. <laughs> um, because he is directing it. Uh, but, um, but, uh, did you have an actor or actress in mind for the cousin? Uh, the cousin, like, I, uh, for some reason, when I was trying to think of an actor, if, like, at anyone, for the cousin, the first thing that came to mind was Daniel Radcliffe. Oh! You know what? I like that. I like that, and that and that's different, and that's sort of a different, uh, d- 
di- different uh, thing for him because you know, I, obviously, like after Harry Potter, like like he was sort of like worried about getting typecast in like the the boy wizard and like it like mm. that he wouldn't be able to like move past Harry Potter. Um, but he has I been think able. The next to... movie he did after the Harry Potter movie is like a horror movie or something. Uh, Horns, I believe. Um, which is on Netflix. Uh, yeah, at least that was one of the first ones he did after Harry Potter. Um, uh, I know there there was another one that I I would be very intrigued to see. It it looks very interesting. Uh, Swiss Army Man? Oh yeah, I saw a thing for that. Yeah, like, that looks interesting. I don't know if it's on, on any of the streaming services, but that that look that looks weird and cool. Um. Okay, the first movie that he did after the last Harry Potter movie, so like he did like other things like during all that, but like the last movie that that he was in that came out after the Harry Potter stuff was like the Woman in Black. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I've heard of that. Um, and it's Kill Your Darlings and then it's Horns. Right. Oh, and he also started something called What If. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait. And now I just want to see a, like, like a Marvel What If where it was... Like, what if Doctor Strange was just Daniel Radcliffe? Well, like, yeah, that's Daniel exactly Strange what I was thinking. Just... What if Harry Potter was the Sorcerer Supreme? <laughs> like that that would never happen because Harry Potter is Warner Brothers but it would be funny though it but it would be hilarious oh god uh, in yo yo dude I just wanted to just like, be a wizard like an unnamed wizard just like a wizard like off somewhere like in the distance no no go. you know what I just thought of Daniel Radcliffe what? has Nightmare Yo, Daniel Radcliffe is nightmare. Please, that'd be that'd be awesome. Again, like like you you have him cast as a villain, which is very different for him, from what I understand. Like I I don't know if he's played any like downright villainous roles, so it'd be really interesting to see him as nightmare. Yeah. All right. I could also totally see him as Moon Knight. Yeah, I could kind of see that as well. Alright. So. Anyway, so we, we both had uh, some uh, cool uh, movie pitches. Uh, this is definitely something we'll do in the future. I've got, ple- I've got plenty of these cards to go through. And there are some... There are some weird combinations you can get. Even weirder than the ones we got tonight. Um, well, because I just remember, like, when Sincast did this, the first one they got, and they collaborated, like, when making their movies, so, we, like, we could uh-huh. definitely, like, collaborate on a future one. Um, but their first pairing was Michael Bay directing it, uh uh-huh. Um, and then the lead actress was Lady Gaga, <laughs> and the lead actor was Nicolas Cage. 
And basically, what they came up with is a crossover between A Star is Born and The Born Identity. (laughs) So it's just called A Star is Born, but spelled like Jason Bourne. (laughs) So yeah, obviously, these don't all have to be, like, serious... Like, obviously, like, my, mine's pretty goofy. Like, um, and yours is too, but it, it's Ben Stiller directing, so it makes sense where yeah. it can be goofy. Um, John Carpenter doesn't really do goofy, but, um, anyway, yeah, we'll definitely do this in the future. There are some weird combinations we can get, um, Again, these were all, like, most of these were suggestions from friends. Um, I did have to fill in some others to make it even, like, um, mostly on the actress's side. uh, Because I got a lot of suggestions for actors, and quite a few for uh, directors. Um, I will also, I will warn you, um, I am in the actor's pile because because i mean like i am an aspiring actor and so i thought i'll throw myself in there see what happens i look forward to this nonsense oh yeah and there is there is one person that is in both the directors and actors uh there's only one person that is in both directors and actors category, because he was suggested for both. Um, so no, Ben Stiller is not in the actor's one, even though uh-huh. he has done more acting than directing. Uh, but, and if you get this particular person who is in both directors and actors, oh boy, you're gonna have fun with whatever movie you're making. Oh god. I won't spoil who it is, because it'll probably show up. Anyway, so now we should we should move on to um, our next film for the Alphabet Challenge, and I also have an intro for this. Hey, motherfucker. The B, of course, flies anyway. And yes, I know that last clip's not from a movie, but I couldn't resist including it for this segment. <laughs> also, you may notice, um, I, I did a bit of, like, like, weird timing on some of those clips to make it start with the letters A, B, C. Mm-hmm. So, like, you probably couldn't tell, like, I mean, you could tell, obviously, what the second and third ones were. Because the second one was from the B-movie narration, and the third yeah. one was Under the Sea for the from The Little Mermaid. The first one, I had trouble finding a quote for that, but then I found... <laughs> Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, from Die Hard. <laughs> and so, I just recorded Star... Yeah, it's just A, motherfucker. <laughs> so... Oh... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, 
So, uh, as, as you could probably tell by the thumbnail, well, yeah, I mean, you'll see this thumbnail in the video, but I might change the thumbnail for, like, the actual thumbnail for when I post this, um, because I kind of want to do some sort of imagery, um, like, representing our two movie pitches. Um... <laughs> Whether that's going to involve an image of Tom Cruise being impaled by two cruise ships, we'll see. Um, uh, but yeah, so for the movie for C, uh, it was Jacob's turn to pick, and luckily he picked the one that I, I would have immediately picked this if I were the one choosing C. Um, he chose Coco. Um, which, yes, neither of us had seen Coco until this point. Yeah. Um, it was on my watch list for a while. I was, like, looking, and I almost, I came very close to watching it with my mom, like, a couple months ago. Um, but, uh, basically, yeah, yeah, like, we, like, I was just like, hey, let's watch a movie tonight. Um, and we were, like, looking at options, and I post Coco as an option, um, and, uh, but then, uh, we, we ended up watching a movie that she had seen and loved that I had not seen, which was Silver Linings Playbook, which is also very good. Um, Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence in that, Jennifer Lawrence won Best Actress for that at the Oscars, um, very good. Um, but enough about that, uh, Coco! Um, so, I think we can both say that, um, yeah. we, we cried. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, like, it was, I watched the movie, and then I texted Noah, quote, ow, my emotions. Yeah, and then my response was, Coco, with a question mark, and he was like, Coco. <laughs> and he was like, Damn, Pixar is really good at doing that. And I'm like, yep, they sure are. Yeah. Pixar just, like, it's become, like, a really good company when it comes to just, like, making movies that make you laugh while you're watching them and then hide the fact that you're cried as you walk out of the theater. Yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, and you know what the funniest part about that was, though? You what? texted me that as I was recording an update video for my channel that went up yesterday. <laughs> um, and I, like, mentioned it in the update. I was like, oh, Jacob just texted me. I was like, he, like, he just said, ow, my emotions. I was like, yeah, he just watched Coco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, this, this movie's beautiful. Uh, such yeah. It was so refreshing to watch this um, after Burn After Reading. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. This, this, it was much better than Burn After Reading. Um, By a long shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, beautiful film. Uh, I guess um, get, getting into more specifics... Um, so, I, the plot. yeah, so basically, um, 
So, the main character's name is actually Miguel, uh, and it takes place on Dia de los Muertos, which is basically, like, Mexican Halloween, um, but Mexican, has like more a, of a... Like, it's a Mexican holiday dedicated, like, basically, like, remembering, celebrating, like, like dead family members. Yeah, it's, it's much more meaningful than actual Halloween. I believe yeah. it's on November 1st? That sounds right. That um, sounds right. Yeah, and so, um, and, uh, in, like, Miguel's history, like, his great-great-grandfather, uh, left his great-great-grandmother, um, to pursue a career in music, and so, as a result, his family has banned music, uh, and, uh, okay, I just Googled it. I just Googled it, too, to double check. Uh, this year, at the very least, it starts on Halloween and ends November 2nd. So it was, like, 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 the entire thing is, like, a couple days of celebration. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so, um, basically, uh, you know, they, they talk about how, like, Dia de los Muertos is a day that, like, uh, like, family members who have passed on, like, their spirits come to visit, um, and, uh, you know, they're also very adamant, like, they have, like, a, a big, like, um, they, like, they have, what's it called, the, the thing that they put like the, the photo, like the, ah, it sounds like it, ofrenda, Ofrenda, that's what it is. The they they put like the photos of all their uh, like deceased family members on the ofrenda, uh, but they rip out um, like like they have a picture of um, Miguel's uh, great great grandparents and um, them holding um, the great grandmother uh, as a young girl um, who is still alive in the movie. She actually that's Coco, um, which. At first, I thought that was an odd choice to name the movie after her, but at the ending, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, first thing, first thing of me and Coco. Uh, when I first heard about the movie, all I knew about it was that, like, the D.A. was more true stuff. Like, that he, like, that one main plot point that you're about to say, so I just won't say it right yet. Yep. Yeah. One sec, still in the middle. Sorry. Oh. Sorry. And then, where was I? Oh yeah, an image of Miguel and Dante, the street dog. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> anyway, um, do do you have something you need to take care of, quick? Uh, or? apparently. So. I'll expl go, I'll explain the rest of the plot the while you're. I'll do that. Yeah. Okay. So while while. Uh, Jacob's taking care of that. I will, uh, explain the rest of the plot. So, um, basically, like, like, Miguel secretly, like, you know, he has, like, a secret compartment in the attic where, like, he will, he, he has a, he has so, sort of a shrine, uh, or an ofrenda, if you will, um, to a famous musician, uh, named Ernesto de la Cruz. Um, and... Uh, he, he sees, like, the, like, Ernesto de la Cruz's guitar in a picture, 
and he notices it's the same guitar that is held by um, his great-great-grandfather in the photo where they've ripped out his image. Uh, but, like, it's, like, he, like, unfolds it over, and you can see that it is, that he is holding the same guitar. And so this leads Miguel to believe that his great-great-grandfather is Ernesto de la Cruz. Um, and that he is destined, and that Miguel believes he is destined to become a great musician just like him. Uh, of course, his family reacts, uh, does not, uh, react kindly to this. Um, especially his great, or his grandmother, um, like, smashes his makeshift guitar, um, and then he, like, he, he runs away from them, um, and then he, he, like, goes to, like, th this building where they have Ernesto de la Cruz's grave, and his guitar is sitting above his grave, and he wants to enter, like, the... He wants to enter the, like, the Dia de los Muertos talent show that's in, the fe that's in like, the town square. Um, but he needs a guitar to do so, and no one will lend him a guitar, so he attempts to steal Ernesto de la Cruz's guitar. Oh, crap. Hopefully that's fine. Um, so, he... You know, he, he goes to steal the guitar, and that's what this image is from. That's him, like, getting the guitar. And then, like, when he plays it, um, like, basically, he, he runs from, like, some guards who, like, see that someone broke in and is trying to steal the guitar. Um, and, uh, like, a chase scene happens, and he finds out that he is now a spirit. Like, he, he, he is... Not on that plane of existence anymore. He is now in the land of the spirits. Um, and so he ends up... He and Dante, the dog, walk uh, like walk across the bridge uh, that connects the... Like, the... That connects Earth to, like, the spirit... The land of the spirits. Um, and, uh... You know, he, he's trapped here. He can't seem to, like, get back into, like, his human form. Uh, and so, um, he, like, he ends up meeting he, his deceased family members. And, uh, like, they, they find out that he can only return to Earth in his human form, uh, if he gets his family's blessing. And so, you know, his great-great-grandmother offers her blessing, but only if he promises to not play music. Um, and, of course, he does not agree to this, because he wants to be a musician, so he goes off to try to find Ernesto de la Cruz, because he can get his blessing, because he's family. Um, he ends up meeting a, a skeleton, and all the spirits are, like, skeletons, like, Dia de los Muertos-style skeletons, um, and he meets a skeleton named Hector, who, uh, was trying to sneak 
<laughs> he was trying to sneak across the border. Um, through like spirit world customs, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because he, because uh, the rules of the spirit world are that you can only cross over on Dia de los Muertos if someone puts up your picture on an ofrenda, um, and no one has put his picture up um, for years, and so he and Miguel meet. Uh, Hector agrees to help. Miguel, uh, reach Ernesto de la Cruz, um, in exchange for putting Hector's photo up on an ofrenda, so that he can cross over into, uh, the Earth. And so, like, some stuff happens, uh, they, they actually enter a Spirit World talent show, um, uh... And then, like, one thing leads to another. Miguel and Hector end up at a party hosted by Ernesto de la Cruz. Miguel explains to Ernesto that uh, he is, in fact, related to him. Uh, and so, like, they ha they have some fun. Um... Oh, and, like, there, there is a time limit, like, like I should have mentioned this earlier, but Miguel has until sunrise to get a family member's blessing to go back to Earth, otherwise he'll be trapped in the spirit world forever. Um, and he's, like, slowly transforming into a skeleton throughout the film, um, as a result. And so, like, Ernesto's about to give him his blessing... Hector comes in, and Hector explains that Ernesto and him were actually partners on the road, like in music, and that Hector actually wrote all the songs that made Ernesto de la Cruz famous, including the flagship song of the film, Remember Me. Um, and then... It comes out that... So, earlier in the film, it was explained that Hector supposedly died choking on chorizos. Um, and uh, then it is revealed uh, that Ernesto de la Cruz actually poisoned Hector in order to make sure he got to keep the songs, because Hector was, like, like, he, he was going to leave the, the, the tour that they were on and go back to his family. Um, and then, yeah, so it's revealed that Ernesto de la Cruz actually poisoned Hector, and then uh, Hector and Miguel get thrown into this, like, dungeon. And then it comes about, like, Hector's explaining how he wants to go back to Earth and see his daughter, who he left to uh, pursue music with Ernesto. And then he it's here that he reveals that his daughter is Coco. And that... And they both realize... Both Miguel and Hector realize that Hector is actually Miguel's great-great-grandfather. Um... So, they escape the dungeon, uh, with help of the other family members, um, 
And Dante, who is uh, actually Miguel's spirit guide. Um, and then uh, they end up at an Ernesto, Ernesto de la Cruz's concert. And, um, you know, they do that thing where, like, oh, the, the villain, like, they turn a camera on the villain and he accidentally reveals that he's evil to all his adoring fans. And people who thought he was a good guy. Um, and so, he gets, uh, you know, like, booed for that. Um, <laughs> and then, um, Miguel finally gets his family's blessing, and they don't add the condition of him having to give up music. So he returns to Earth, and... Also, like, Coco is slowly, like, forgetting about Ector, and if, if, and if you're a spirit, and, like, no one remembers you on Earth that knew you while you were alive, then you fade from the spirit world. And so, Miguel, like, rushes home to help Coco remember Ector by singing Remember Me... And it's very sweet, and it's a happy ending, and Ector is then, like, it cuts to, like, a year later, and Ector is being recognized for the musical genius he was, and not Ernesto de la Cruz. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's Coco. So, you should explain our thoughts on the film itself. Um, so... I just talked for a bunch. You you go first. Sure, I'll say them there. Like I really liked the movie. Like I knew like I knew part of like the, the big plot twist of the movie like going into it. So while well, it didn't catch me off guard, it still like I overall enjoyed like the movie. Like the plot, I felt was at some points was like fairly like predictable or from like, but like they did it very well. Yeah, I, I was going to bring up the same point at the at the very beginning at at the beginning of the film, the plot is very predictable. Like as soon as like there's that opening narration about the family banning music, I'm like, okay, Miguel's gonna go off to pursue music, uh, and his family's not going to accept him. But then at the end, they accept him. Like I knew that was gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, and then I had a I had a very good feeling that. I, I think I did see, like, while I was, like, I think it was while I was looking at, like, <laughs> Disney and Pixar villain tier lists for Tierable Tuesday, I think I saw an image of Ernesto de la Cruz in one of them, so, like, I knew he was going to turn back. But even if I hadn't seen that, it, like, I was, I was able to, like, see, like, okay, I, like, I could easily predict that he would end up, like, not being a good guy. And being the yeah. villain of the movie, uh, I was yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. They're just they're they're doing exactly what Frozen did, like with the surprise villain with Hans. But I said the same thing about Frozen when I was initially watching it. I was like, okay, they're pulling an Enchanted. They're like Anna, and, Anna and Hans obviously aren't going to get together. It's going to be Anna and Kristoff. Um. But I didn't predict that Hans would be the main villain in that. That caught, that threw me for a loop. Um, of course, I did know... I did... I was able to see... In fact, 
if Frozen didn't exist, I probably wouldn't have been able to predict the Ernesto de la Cruz villain twist. However, I did not predict that he would have actually murdered Ector, and yeah, I did was... not predict that Ector was actually Miguel's great-great-grandfather. Those yeah, two I definitely that... surprised me. I knew the Ector part. I also did not know at all about the murder part. That made that definitely more interesting than it may have otherwise been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, like, my only other, like, real, like, complaint... I mean, it's not really a complaint. This is more nitpicking, but, like, how on earth did they, like, <laughs> prove that Hector was... The, the genius behind Ernesto de la Cruz and that Ernesto de la Cruz was a fraud. How on earth did they prove that in well, on like, earth? Yeah, like, this is my, like, this is my, like, similar nitpicky thing. Like, in the movie, like, they sort of hand me a bit saying that, oh, like, in the letters that, like, Hector sent to Coco, like... Yeah, sent, like, yeah, like, that was like, it. Like, the lyrics to, right. like, the songs, and they predate, like, the actual songs themselves, so, oh, there is a clear indication. But, like, yeah... But also, like, they, they like, completely like, disgrace... I feel like, the impact of the one family would, like, definitely not have been nearly as big. Yeah, and they, like, completely dis... Like, like... It, I believe it's, like... They, they have, like, some, like... They have something, like, graffitied on Ernesto de la Cruz's grave at the end. I forget what it says. Forget you. Huh? Forget you. Because, like, oh. it says, remember me... Oh, that's clever! I didn't pick up on that, actually. That's really clever! Yeah. Also, also, I don't know whether or not it's intentional, but it definitely reminds me of a specific Cielo Green song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was it a fuck you? Was forget you. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if that version. was completely intentional. I feel like it has to be. I feel like that, that was probably... I mean, maybe not specifically referencing the Cielo Green song, but, like... Oh, like they remember As a way of that, censoring, that fuck you. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. Uh. That. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't even pick song, up on that. That was clever. What did you but, think of the music? Oh, you want to finish your part first, and then. Um. But yeah, I I still don't think like that. I mean, yeah, that like the letters could have proven that Hector was the genius behind the songs. But I don't think that would there would have been a there, like how would they have proven that Ernesto de la Cruz was evil? Like yeah, maybe they just hated him because he was a fraud and pretended he wrote all his songs, but he didn't. But like I don't know, <laughs> I don't think people would have graffitied his grave over that. Yeah, yeah. they'll graffiti his grave over him being a murderer. Um, but I don't know how they could have proven that. Yeah. Except, you know, an autopsy. <laughs> but then again, that was, like, way long ago. Yeah, exactly. Like, guy that, like, <laughs> like, well, like, he never got back to his family, so presumably they had no idea what was, so presumably he wouldn't have preserved his body well enough for an autopsy to determine, hey, poisoning, like, several generations later. Yeah, exactly. Um... Uh, but, um, yeah, other than that, like, but yeah, like, those, those twists definitely threw me for a leap, and, like, it keeps, like, Disney is really good at that, like, doing, like, pre like, 
predictable story that are only predictable because of their previous work that <laughs> broke the mold, like, and then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, here's another fucking twist for ya. <laughs> Like, D Disney, like, Disney is out M. Night Shyamalan in M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> in recent years. Um, yeah. yeah, also, yeah, I cry, like, yeah, the, 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 and it's like, okay, not, like, there are plenty of, like, objectively very sad films that I've watched mm -hmm. and not cried. Like, I didn't cry watching Fault in Our Stars, although, to be fair, I wasn't that focused on the movie. Um, because that was, was, like, a date I was on. Um. Uh. How, but, like, I mean, this was, uh, and, like, I don't think, like, I'm trying to think if I've ever actually, like, legitimately cried in an animated movie before. I... Probably up, but I don't remember if I actually, like, cried the first time I saw that. Um, uh... I don't remember the first time I saw that either, but it definitely, like, gets me a lot. Yeah, yeah. Now. I mean, that is, again, that's, like... And I was gonna. I have a movie I could think of that I probably. Okay, I definitely cried during this at least once. And you are not gonna like this. I know uh, Toy Story three. You've yeah. Toy Story three. Yeah. Yeah. And like well, let's just I move past that. I know. I understand why. Like again, I think that ending is great. The but the movie doesn't deserve that great of an ending, in my opinion. Anyway, we're not getting into that. Anyway, if you want to know my go. thoughts on Toy Story three, watch the video. The watch the forty minute video I made. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's my I put it as my channel trailer. So anytime a newcomer <laughs> comes to my channel, that's the first thing they see, and it'll turn away ninety percent of them. Um, probably more than that. Probably 98%, actually, because that's its Rotten Tomatoes score. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, yeah, Coco... I was gonna say, like... This is, I think... Now, Grant, I... I like, again, it's, it's really hard to rank Pixar movies because almost all of them are masterpieces. Yeah, Pixar has a very good track record. Yeah, they're like, they again. I like we like we we touched on that earlier in the podcast. Like, Pixar is like the very opposite of DreamWorks, <laughs> where like they like Pixar has been like consistently fantastic with all their even more so than Disney, honestly. Because, like, Disney, Disney has had, a, like, plenty of, like, not phenomenal films in its track record. But Pixar, like, I think the, like, the only, like, objective, like, the only, like, unanimous, unanimously, unanimously. like, like, 
bad Pixar movies, quote-unquote, would be, like, Cars 2 and maybe The Good Dinosaur. That was the first one that was, like, a, a, like a box office Dud. failure. Um, I think that's really the only one that's been a box office failure. Um, uh, the Planes movies aren't Pixar, contrary to what you may think. They aren't actually Pixar. Good. Those those are Disney. They're like Disney Toon Studios or something. Um, but yeah, I. But anyway, my point being, I think this might be the best Pixar film since Up. Yeah, definitely, definitely up there. But I'm. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, I know, like, a lot of people will say, well, Toy Story 3 came after Up. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I know, like, Inside Out was also very good. But, honest, I, I, I think I like this better than Inside Out. Inside Out was certainly a more creative story. But, like, I think overall, like... I don't know. I think... I think this may, I don't know, like, over the years hold up better than it's... I don't know. Maybe. Um, and, like, you know, it's obvious why it won Best Animated Feature. And, like, I remember that year at the Oscars being really upset about Remember Me winning Best Original Song and not This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. <laughs> I get it now. I get it now. <laughs> Remember Me has been stuck in my head ever since I watched this movie. And it's a great song! Yeah, yeah. Like, is... Very short, very sweet. Okay. I'm trying to think. Is Remember Me the best original song for a Pixar film? For a well, cause, okay, because it does have some tough competition in that regard, because you've got a friend in me, yeah, and also, like, underrated if I didn't have you from Monsters, Inc. Um, but, honestly, I think this might be the best original song in a Pixar film. And as long as we're on song, and, like, Coco is, like, a movie that... I've definitely heard described as being musical, and you know what? I can't really argue against that. So, what I, you, so beyond remember me, what do you think of the overall quality of music? Oh, all the songs are great. I mean, there's not there's not a ton of them. It's not like I mean, it is like there there are plenty of musical. There are plenty of like Disney musicals that probably have about as many songs as this one. And while like none of the other songs in this are going to be as well remembered, pun intended, as "Remember Me." Uh, they're all they're all very good. I I like uh, the Pollo Loco one that he performs at the Spirit Loco World Loco. Uh, talent show. That that one is cool. It is Poco Loco. Poco I'm Loco. Pretty sure, and I only can no, and only have and I only know that because I heard them say the name Poco, and then for the. For the rest of that scene, in the back of my mind, it was just the character from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure named Poco Loco. Oh, okay. See, see, my thought... Well, first of all, thanks for a potential hint? 
No, it's not. A, oh, God. Okay, for everyone else, like, would me, him, and Alex are doing a thing where we show Noah stands from George's Bizarre Adventure and he has to guess names and powers. A Poco Loco is the name of a character that that's, uses a stand, but okay. not a stand itself. It'd be funny if, like, like, in the future, he got a new stand named after the song from Coco. <laughs> like, go. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess I was I was just thinking of uh, Poyo Loco from uh, Despicable Me 2. Um, that was and also like Poco Loco. That also means like, like I think like I put in Google Translate and it didn't mean tra- okay. Case is a grain of salt because it's Google Translate, but Poco Loco would crazy. be like a little crazy. Yeah. 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 Oh, especially take that of a grain of salt for Google Translate because uh, I think the third result it gave me for what Poco Loco means was eugenics. And that is definitely not what they were going for. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, uh, that that would be a very different movie. Um, that would be a very different. Movie. Um, yeah. Also, like, I mean, other great things to say about the film. I love the the aesthetic. I mean, I've always loved Dia de los Muertos aesthetic. It's done so beautifully in this. I love, like, skeleton character humor in movies. Like, when there is a character that is a skeleton, and, like, the main humor is that they are a skeleton and fall apart. Um, It's one of those things that definitely feels like it should be horrifying, but it's just hilarious. Yeah, it's not, and it's not overused in this either, because that can, that sort of thing could definitely get old if it's, like, the only joke you're going yeah, for. Like predominantly used with Hector, right? Yeah, yeah, Hector is, I mean, Hector is comic relief for most of the film, uh, until that big twist. Um, uh, also, I love the fact that he disguises himself as Frida Kahlo <laughs> multiple times. I love how they keep making jokes about how weird Frida Kahlo was. <laughs> Like, that was so fun. Like, when she was, like, when she was going over, like, the choreography for the concert, like, of them, like, crawling out of, like, the pear or whatever it was. Avocados. Yeah, them, like, crawling out of the avocado. And it's just, like... (laughs) Like, I didn't expect so much Frida Kahlo humor in any film. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like I was like oh my gosh that's awesome <laughs> cause like I know a bit about Frida Kahlo from like middle school art classes <laughs> um but yeah that was that was very funny <laughs> like uh also I love the design of the spirit guides yeah, it like, looks like very fun and very colorful. This game, this this movie is so beautiful. It like, like, what is it with like? Again, Pixar is like not only phenomenal with their storytelling, but also like they like revolutionize animation with like every film. Thing they do, yeah. I mean, like obviously, like Toy Story being a big example, being the first feature-length, computer-generated film. Yeah, um, monumental, and it still looks... It, okay, it doesn't look great at some parts, but it still looks over, 
pretty good today. Yeah, it still looks pretty good today. I mean, like... You don't want to look at the actual people in the movie for very long, but everything else looks still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, but that's not even the main focus. Um, (laughs) And, like, for them just being, like, toys, like, it's, like, that, I mean, that looks like, they look like toys. And then, like, Monsters, Inc., like, revolutionized, like, fur physics in animation. (laughs) In fur rendering. uh, Brave, even, like, uh, uh, that's kind of another black sheep of uh, Pixar's library. Uh, not terrible, but also, like, not, like, as revered as their other works, but, like, even that one, they revolutionized, like, the way Merida's hair moved. It's, like, they keep, they they keep inventing, like, new animation technology with every film. Like, how do they do that? Like, it's, it's incredible to see, like, like, how much, like, Pixar, like, adds to the animation industry, technology-wise, with every film they put out. Again, it's it's amazing that Pixar can be so consistent with, qual- with quality. I just remembered one of the skeleton gags. Uh, it was, like, when... Miguel and one and I were trying to get in line to get into SLJ like it was his party. And it was like the security guard like going over like people like shutting them on the list. And then he gets to I believe like it was specifically El Santo. And yeah. Just, like he geeks out for a minute and says like basically just like, Can I get a photo with you? And then he takes off his head, gives it to El Santo, and then takes the picture of his body. Yeah, oh yes, I love that. That was great. Um also the, like, when, when you first, that, the scene where you first learn that, uh, like, forgotten spirits pass on from the spirit world, with that, that old guy, um, like, he, he lists off all the stuff that Hector borrowed from him and never returned, including his femur? Which it was like, okay, so now Hector is Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> I was like, God, that's great. He he took his femur. He just has like a metal thing where his femur should be. That's that's great. Oh, and then the song that he sings, like, and her knuckles they dragged on the floor. Those aren't the words. There are children present. I was like. That, yeah, that's, that's probably that's one of the like, more blunt adult jokes in any... I mean, they always, like, like to sprinkle in some adult jokes, but that's probably the most blunt one in a Pixar film in a while. Yeah, I mean... There's so many, like, great, like, quick, relatively quick gags and jokes that just make you laugh, but, like, don't, like... But they don't, like, like, make you stick with it for too long. Yeah. I think, like, the closest they got to, like... Like, a joke that just kind of... St- Got a little too in your face, which was like the the tongue with Dante. Like yeah, Dante himself. yeah, Dante. But like, they, I mean, like, but they they made sure like to keep him like off screen enough that it didn't get like they didn't wear on you too much. Yeah, that's the thing. Like dot, like Dante, like Disney and Pixar have done like a lot of like the like the the animal sidekicks. Um, a lot of them being like 
not that smart. <laughs> um, and I I feel like I mean apart from the twist of him being Miguel's spirit guide, um, like apart from that, like you could have took Dante out of the film and it wouldn't change much. Yeah. Although there are only some like fun gags involving Dante. Yeah, but I do like, I do feel like that like, like the the dumb animal sidekick trope would, has been done better in other Disney yeah, and Pixar probably. films. Example: Moana. With the chicken. Yeah, freaking Alan Tudyk <laughs> is awesome. Yeah, there's like two like my favorite like Dante bits are just like towards the very like Dante related bits. Or the very beginning where, like, like, grandma, his, like, grandma is, like, telling him, like, 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 out, like, being running, like, mariachi, like, at the very beginning. Yeah. He's, like, dragging Miguel back to the, the shop. And was, like, they scolds him for, like, hanging out of Dante. It was, like, don't, like, give, like, doing like give street animals food they'll never stop following or something like that and at one point she just like chucks a shoe like 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 way off into the distance to like get Dante away and like she like does a whole like does like a little flexible speech and then she says okay now go get my shoe oh yeah that was funny that was funny they 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 did a they they had some good humor with the fact, and I didn't mention this while giving the plot summary, that his family are shoemakers. Um, that that's what his great great grandmother decided to do uh, when she when her husband left to be a musician. She's like, I know what I'll do. I'll make shoes. Yeah, and then like that seemed like kind of random. My other Dante one was when, like, they're discussing about, like, I don't know what role he'd be. Uh, that one guy, like, discussing the fact, like, how Miguel's cursed and, like, conditions and whatnot. And then Dante's in the room, and, like, the guy starts sneezing and, like, says, Can you get the dog out of there? Might have a terrible allergy. And, like, Miguel goes, I think Miguel goes, But Dante doesn't have any hair. And the guy goes, Well, I don't have a nose, yet here we are. Okay, yeah, that was, that was really funny. I was like, Okay, cause like, <laughs> cause that's sort of like, I like self-aware humor, like like being like, cause that's like totally something like cinema sense would say, and I think they yeah. did sin it actually. Well, actually, I think the sin was this guy would be excellent at cinema sense. Um, <laughs> but like the the fact that like there are allergies in the spirit, like. Why did like why would the spirits be allergic to stuff? They're already dead. <laughs> um. Oh, and there's like also like fun little thing. It wasn't like important at all. Which is like I like the little detail. Not, not the little detail. I like the thing of because Miguel is alive in the spirit world. All the skeletons are just immediately freaked out when they see him. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Because it's that whole like. Fish out of water my type favorite, thing. My favorite of all of them is the customs agents, where guys, where like the family like walks up with like Miguel on the back, and they go, the guy goes, "All right, do you have anything to declare?" And like one of them goes, "Actually," and then like pulls Miguel forward, like 
reveals that he's definitely alive, and like the customs guy's jaw just literally like, falls onto the desk. Yeah, yeah. Again, I love I love skeleton humor. Um, also, like speaking of skeleton, like I didn't mention this earlier, but like right before Miguel returns to Earth, and like mm-hmm. he he's like like almost turned full skeleton, and like Hector is starting to fade away. Like, that, like, looks genuinely creepy. Like, when Miguel is, like, almost a skeleton, that looked genuinely creepy. I was like, whoa! Um, but yeah, um... Again, like... And also, like... Like I was saying earlier, like it, like there, there are like objectively sad movies that like don't necessarily make me cry. Um, a lot, a lot of times, like films I cry at are because like you know, it, like they like really hit close home, like hit close to home for me. Like I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in in a way, like Ector sort of reminded me of my dad, because he was goofy and played guitar. Like, my, my dad played guitar, and so, like, mm-hmm. that that sort of reminded me of him. Uh, si- similar, like, to a lesser extent with Logan. Um, uh, but, like, yeah, like, Lo- like, I mean... Well, I was about to say, look... Uh, Logan was, like, the last film where, the last film before Coco where I, like, really, like, cried a lot, but then I remembered A Star is Born. (laughs) Um. Wait, yeah, I mean, again, and again, there was that musician angle and the, the fact that, like, you know, I've, like, known people, you know, with, uh, with, like, addictions, and I have suffered from depression, and so, like, yeah, like, these sad movies, like, you can, you can have a sad movie that doesn't necessarily, like, emotionally impact everyone the same way, um, but, like, with this, like, I was able, like, Again, like, it reminded me, like, Hector reminded me of my dad, so when he almost faded from the spirit world, that just, that, that, that hit me really hard, um, and then, like, the, the moment where Miguel is singing Remember Me to Coco, that's just, it just, like, I lost it there, um, yeah, it's a great moment. it, yeah, it's a beautiful moment, uh, and I, I think that, like, going, like, going into my closing thoughts on this film, like, <clears throat> this, like, you know, you know, a big deal was made at the Oscars about, like, th- this film being a big deal because of, like, the Mexican representation. Um, because the majority of the voice cast, from what I understand, is Mexican. Um, and, which is always nice when the characters are also like that. Well, yeah, um, and yeah, and obvi- obviously, like it, that is a like representation in Hollywood is a big deal. I mean, it's the same with Black Panther. Um, I feel, and I feel like 
in a sense, like, they were saying, like, oh, like, finally, like, like, Mexican boys and girls can, like, see themselves, like, a person they can relate to on screen. But, like, my closing thoughts on this film is that the, like, what makes this film great is that while that is true, that, like, uh, like, the Mexican representation allows more people, allows, like, more people of that culture to relate to the story. Anyone can relate to this story. Anyone, yeah. like, pe like all of us have, like, lost someone and, like, keep memories of, like, loved ones we've lost. Um, and, yeah, that's, so, um, I, I think that, that's really the moral of the, that, that's really the moral of the story is that, like, you know, loved ones may be gone, but, like, they'll still be, they'll always be remembered, um, and that's really, and it, it is, like, a beautiful way to, like, get this sort of message out to kids earlies, so yeah. that, like, when, like, because obviously it's very sad to think about, like, our mort mortality and everything, but, like, with a movie like this, that can, like, I feel like, I, wi I wish this movie came out years ago, because that can really, well, like, saw, I, I feel like that can, this kind of movie is really going to help kids of the future, like, deal with that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's my closing thoughts. Um, what about you? I, I get my closing thoughts. Uh, a fantastic movie. I get a lot of great music. I get a lot of, like, like, I really love, like, the day day of torture, like I said. Like, I love so many things about this movie. And it all culminates with this just thing that's been sticking with me basically most of the day, which is, man, we need better holidays. Like America, like, cause, like <laughs> yeah, because like people don't, because there are so many that, because like we like, like, well, like within like like our history, like we refer, like America has been referred to by us like as Americans as like a great melting pot, like of cultures and whatnot. And I really wish that was more so the case because then we just have all of the best holidays. Yeah, that's true. That 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 that's that that is very true. Our are like where while like keeps but D as well as here was just like I've just seen this movie and just like learning about it in Smash just like seems like it's way more interesting way more more just nice yeah exactly like our like while people uh, of this culture are like you know honoring loved ones that have passed on um. Like, we're dressing up like Abraham Lincoln and, and Danny and Phantom. Strangers. And getting candy from strangers, yeah. God. Alright, well, on that note, that's gonna be it for uh, this, this episode of No Lights, No Camera Action. I think we went a little longer than usual, uh, but that's fine. Um... Uh, and, um, we're not sure what we're gonna do for, uh, the next, 
episode necessarily. We have an idea for a topic for a future episode, but I don't think it'll be the next one either because we kind of want to try to coincide it with something. Um, yeah. But I will so we'll tease... See if we can move, like, another topic. Yeah, I, I will... I will tease the fact that our next Alphabet Challenge movie, uh, which is my choice for D, is going to be Donnie Darko. Uh, a bit of a cult classic. Um, from what from images I've seen, it, it will probably be like almost exact opposite of Coco tonally. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, and, uh, and if, uh, you guys want to, like, watch movies, uh, that we watch for the Alphabet Challenge, but don't have a Netflix account, Donnie Dark goes on IMDb Free Dive, which I think is under a different, I think it's now called IMDb TV or something, but, uh, it's free. Um, it's got ads, but it's free. So, uh, you can watch Donnie Darko. Um... Yeah, so um, we'll see you guys in the next one. Uh, peace. Adios. And scene.